things are not always as they first seem. As dispatchers, we get dozens if not hundreds of calls a day, and the vast majority of them are pretty much what the caller is relaying. Someone calls in and says there's someone who's driving recklessly. They give a description of the vehicle and a rundown of how they're driving, which is usually swerving or speeding or passing people on the shoulder. Those are called in by people who don't know the person they're calling about and can only assume what the situation is. But what they're relaying is generally true or they likely wouldn't have called. Other times, we'll get a phone call about someone stealing items from inside of a store. We're again given a description of the person that is doing that and what their actions are. Pretty cut and dry. But there are times that we'll get a call where a husband or wife is wanting to report some sort of violence done from their spouse. Once police reach the scene, though, it's not at all what was originally said. When further investigation is done, sometimes the roles can be reversed completely or sometimes even not even happened at all. In this episode, I'll be talking about a call that was received that turned out to be way more involved than what was relayed to the dispatcher. Welcome back to Music City 911. Where is your emergency? Um, the corner of uh, Riley Thompson and Automobile. It's on Automobile Road. This, we come up to this lady. She's laying in the road. I think she was hit by a car. Okay. She's got a head injury. Okay. So I'm at Riley Thompson and Automobile. Yeah. On, on, that... automo- on Automobile Road. Okay. Which way from? 4300 Automobile Road. 4300 Automobile. Okay. Stay on the phone here with me. Okay. I'm gonna get some help right out there for you. Did you see what happened to her? She has a pulse. I just came. We just came up on her. Is she, she unconscious? In the road. Yes, she is. Okay. You stay on the phone with me. Is she breathing? She is breathing. She has a pulse. Okay. Did you see who hit her? Does she have obvious injuries? She has a head injury. Okay. She's got a head injury and her. She's laying face down. Okay. Don't move her around. Okay. Yep. We're not moving her around. Okay. Is she by herself? You need to hurry. She's all by herself. Okay. It's really irregular. My wife is a nurse. So she's okay, sir, I got help that's going to start on. Start help. Okay. Okay. What's your name? My name is Mark Klimt. Okay. Mark, someone else here is starting some help. I'm going to update them about what's going on, okay? Okay. I don't know what to do. Okay, sir. Mark, yeah. what's your phone number? Okay. You need to hurry. Okay, sir. They're on the way already. Okay. Did anybody see anything? It's, what else, I don't know what else to do. Okay, sir. Just tell yeah, me if she's... Just okay. Her pulse and it's really weak. Okay. Weak pulse? She has not been moved, but she's halfway in the road. Okay. Get your the car. The road is not busy. Okay. What kind of car are you in? I am in a Toyota Camry, Burgundy. Okay. I'm right in the middle of the road. Nobody's okay. going to get by okay. me. Okay. Get your flashers on. Get your flashers on? Yes. Okay. Does you ask your wife if she thinks she needs CPR? Does she need CPR, Michelle? Does she need CPR? 
she's still breathing. Okay. And she has a pulse. Okay. If Tell your wife that if she needs CPR, I can help her with that, and I will stay on the phone with you. The fire department and the ambulance are on the way. Okay. No, Michelle, just leave her. If she's got a if she's got a pulse, she's fine. Okay. I need to know if she's breathing normally. If she's if her... she's breathing normally, Michelle, she is not breathing normally. Okay. We want to start CPR then. Tell her to go ahead and start CPR with CPR. On her, she's on her. She's okay. on her chest, and Michelle would have to turn her over. Okay. What we can do then is we can move her over, but I want her to be real carefully when Michelle, she turns her over. I want you to stabilize her head or neck and her back. Stabilize her head. You know what? There's another car coming. Maybe I can get them. She's a she's a bigger. Okay. They're, they're on the way, Michelle. They're on the way. Okay. I can help her with it. She's just a little paranoid to move her. Okay, I understand. Her. Okay, Michelle, if she doesn't want to move her, that's fine. But if she's not breathing normally, then yes. we're not going to hurt her anymore. I don't think we're. I don't. I don't know if we should move her. Okay. She's got a pulse still. Okay. Tell her to use her best discretion if she's a nurse. Michelle, use your best discretion. What you should do. She's got a really bad head injury. She's got. Okay, she's bleeding she's from her head. Yes, yeah, she's okay. bleeding, bleeding quite, quite a bit from her head. Okay. Do you see anything around her? That would, she's got blood coming from her ear. Her, it would be her her right ear. Okay. All right. I'm going to check with the supervisor here real quick, okay? Okay. Okay. What I want her to do is I want her to turn her over. We're going to do CPR. We're not going to hurt her anymore if she's got that bad of a head injury and she's not breathing normally. Okay. I'm going to put you on voice so she can hear. Okay. Um, Okay, Michelle, can you hear me? Okay, okay. We gotta start CPR if she's not if she's not breathing normally. I want you to go ahead and start. We're not gonna hurt her anymore. Oh. Can you do that for me? I can I can stay on the phone and help you through it. This is what we're gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna hold her leg, and you need to roll her body from. You just gotta come over here, Mark, and take her hips and her shoulders, and I will hold her head. Okay. Okay, Michelle, you're you're doing a good. Once you get over, I want you to look in her mouth and see if one. Okay, one, two, three. Oh my God. Okay, is she getting any air? Is she breathing? Not. Okay, is CPR gonna help? I'm going to open her airway. I'm doing a jaw cross on her. Okay, you're doing a great job, Michelle. She's not breathing, no. Okay. I want you to start with CPR, okay? Do you remember how to do it? I remember how to do it. My oh. husband's going to have to hold her. I got her. Okay. You guys are doing great. Just grab her behind here. Right. Hold both sides. Just hold both sides until you get your airway open and her head steady. I'm here for you if you need anything oh, from me. Okay. All right. Stay there, Charlie. Michelle, right. make sure you get good deep breaths in her. Yep. I can't. She's got blood all over her face. Okay. I don't have anything to... Okay, you can just do chest compressions. You don't have to put air in her mouth. Just go with the chest compressions. You guys can take turns if you need to. Oh, she's making funny noises when I do this. Okay, that's fine. You're not going to hurt her if she's not breathing. Just go ahead with the chest compressions. Let's get that blood through her. Holy cow. Where is somebody? They're on the way. It's 4300 automobile, right? You're going to hear sirens real shortly. Okay. You're going to hear sirens real shortly. They're driving there. Is somebody else stopped now? 
Okay. You're, you guys are doing great. I know it seems like it's taken a very long time. They, they're driving there as fast as they can. You guys are doing great. You can take over for if you if you need to, okay? Keep going. Oh my gosh, who can do this? You're doing great, Michelle. I know, but who can hit a woman and just leave her? Okay. Okay, we're starting. I'm starting to hear some. Uh, yeah, those are for you. I, I know this is hard. You're doing great. Hold it together just a little longer, okay? Mark, you can help her, okay? Are you helping her? Okay. Okay. Keep going. Okay, you hear the sirens? I want you to keep doing the chest compressions until someone takes over for you. He's almost here. You guys are doing great. Oh my gosh, there's that key. Keep going, Michelle. Keep doing it until he gets there, okay? Yeah, he's getting ready. He's got to get some stuff out. He's going to be right there for you. He's right behind me. <laughs> no, I'm back to the nurse. Keep it going. Yeah, okay, you. thank you. We found her face down. Okay. Mark? Yeah. Mark, your phone number Okay, you guys did a great job. I'm going to let you go and, and have him take over for you. Okay. Yeah, all right, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Unfortunately, in a big city, it's almost always a daily occurrence that we get a call about a pedestrian being hit by a car. Hit and runs involving pedestrians are less common, but they also do happen. Sometimes with deadly outcomes. The dispatcher in this, I believe she did a great job at keeping the CPR going as long as they did, as well as offering to give instructions over the telephone. Even though the female caller was a nurse, when you come upon something like this scene, some of the training you have can get lost. Keeping someone on track is a good thing. My only complaint would be used for future instances and I wish that more agencies would adopt this language. When the lady in the road was found, she did have a pulse and was still barely breathing. The dispatcher urged CPR several times, even though the nurse seemed like she may have been hesitant to do the CPR. Someone with horrific injuries that possibly came from an automobile versus pedestrian motor vehicle collision, those people, if they're barely breathing and still have a pulse, they likely don't need CPR. It's not always the case, but most of the time, that's what it is. Doing chest compressions could further any injuries that the patient has in the chest region. Slightly broken ribs could become fully fractured. A partially collapsed lung could fully collapse, etc. 
the language I would like to see changed would be going from something like, is she breathing normally? Or hearing them say, she's barely breathing. It should be changed to, is her breathing effective? Or is she breathing effectively? Someone can have a low rate of breathing and not need CPR because their body is still getting some oxygen. Those that do need CPR are someone who recently completely stopped breathing or is actively having agonal respirations, which are essentially dying breaths. During agonal respirations, the patient takes deep inhales that often sound like snoring, but those breaths are only taken once every 10 or more seconds. Those are the times to start CPR. Once rescue crews arrived at the scene of this call, they found a woman barely hanging on with severe head injuries, including four spots where she was bleeding as well as abrasions to her face and bruising around her eyes. What started out as a possible hit and run indeed wasn't. It was a murder. The locations the woman was bleeding from were gunshot wounds. She was shot multiple times in the head with small caliber bullets. On June 29, 2014, 36-year-old Rebecca Becky Bletz was out jogging after getting home from work as an assistant occupational therapist at a nursing home, a job she had had for the past 18 years. She was also a basketball coach at a local middle school called Reith's Puffer Middle. Shortly after her run began that night, she was murdered. But investigators couldn't initially determine exactly where or when it happened. Estimations were made that she was killed around two hours before her body was found, but that was about all they had. She had valuables in her possession, but nothing was taken, so they ruled out robbery as a motive. They were stumped. No further initial leads were found. No witnesses were stepping forward. The hope to find Rebecca's killer seemed to be dwindling fast. Actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to badlandsranch.com slash mc901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to badlandsranch.com slash mc901 today. Nearly two years later, on April 16, 2016, a 16-year-old girl named Madison Nygaard was walking home from a party in the early hours of the day. She had been drinking and smoking marijuana. 
sometime during the party, her cell phone battery died. She wasn't able to call anyone for a ride home. While walking down a rural road in Muskegon, a man in a silver minivan saw Madison and stopped by her. He asked if she needed a ride. She declined his invitation, stating she had already called her parents before the battery in her phone had died. Reluctantly, she did ask if she could use his phone. He agreed, but said that his phone was inside the van and she would need to get in to use it. After entering the van, the man claimed his battery was also dead, and then he pulled out a gun and pointed it at her. He started driving off. A short time later, seeing that nothing good was going to happen from this, she made the hard decision to jump out of the moving van and run away. After she hit the ground and started making her way off the road, she heard the van stop and then some gunfire. Luckily, she wasn't hit and managed to find a nearby house where she stopped and asked for help. Police arrived to find Madison with minor injuries from jumping out of the moving vehicle and started questioning her as to what happened. After gathering a description of the van, nearby CCTV cameras along the road were accessed and several pieces of video were found to have that van in them. Police were able to determine the make and model of the van and narrow down potential suspects to 31 men. When Madison made it into the police precinct, she was shown pictures of the men and it took Madison no time at all to point out who her abductor was, 46-year-old Jeffrey Willis. Just a few days later, police arrested Jeffrey and charged him with kidnapping. Reading directly from court documents, during a search of defendant's van in 2016, police found a stolen Walter P-22 pistol with the serial number obscured. Police were able to restore the serial number and locate the owner, who was the defendant's co-worker. The owner testified that the gun had been stolen from her home. She also testified that the gun had a laser sight when she purchased it. However, when the gun was recovered by police, the laser sight was missing. Reading further from the same document, according to the evidence at the trial, the defendant used the Walter P-22 pistol to kill Rebecca Bletch, who was found shot to death on a road near her home. Bletch's DNA was found on gloves and a vibrator and a locked toolbox. And a lockbox, which was also locked, Bletch's DNA was found on handcuffs. In the same lockbox, police found the Walter P-22 pistol. Defendant's DNA was also found on the gloves, the vibrator, and the gun. Both the toolbox and lockbox were found in defendant's van, and together, the toolbox and lockbox comprised what the prosecutor characterized as defendant's rape kit, containing various items such as handcuffs, rope, restraints, chains, sex toys, a gag, lubricating jelly, insulin, syringes, a human anatomy diagram with injection points, gloves, Viagra, cameras, and bullets. Fingerprints, DNA evidence, and defendant's own admissions established defendant as the owner 
of the toolbox and lockbox. Officers found a note at 3038 Bailey of what the prosecutor characterized as a checklist for many of the items in the toolbox. The note listed some additional items, including items of women's clothing, such as a hoodie. The note confirmed to be in defendant's handwriting. They searched his home further, and a lot of other evidence was uncovered, which I'll talk about here in just a minute. The P-22 pistol was sent away for analysis and was found to be the gun used in the murder of Rebecca. Now he was suspected of murder. While being identified as being the abductor of Madison and then the likely suspect in the murder of Rebecca, police looked back at Jeffrey's criminal history. Also, the warrants police obtained for his home and van were listed as looking for items that could be used in abductions, homicides, and unsolved cases. Unsolved cases being a key statement in this. Jessica Haringa was a 25-year-old mother of a 3-year-old boy who disappeared from the Exxon gas station where she was working the late shift in Norton Shores, Michigan on April 26, 2013. At 11.14, a customer arrived at the store to find it empty. No one working inside. Police were then called to the scene. Muskegon 911, where's your emergency? Um, I don't know if it's an emergency. I just got to work. I'm at the Exxon gas station on Sternberg Road, kind of Sternberg and Old Grand Haven. Okay. And there's nobody here. Um, it wouldn't allow me to pump gas, but I, I just walked inside. There's nobody. There's a car here. There's a, another car out front. But it just it is very suspicious why there's nobody here. Okay. So did you yell or anything? Or? Yeah, I hollered, hey, I, you know, walked around the building. It's just, um, I don't know. It, you know, they were supposed to be open. And it's still open, right? Oh. Yeah, like when you walk in, the bell goes ding, 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 and, you know, the, the cashier's supposed to be there, you know. But I don't see anybody, hon. Um, um, and how many vehicles did you see in the parking lot? Well, there's one one parked by the building, and then there's another one that's a Honda. Um little SUV. So it just seems strange. I come here after work. Um, is it, you said it's on Sternberg, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's on um, Sternberg. It's just past the expressway. Okay, I'm showing um, the address there, the Exxon 1196 East Sternberg. Um, uh, you said just past the expressway. Okay, okay. are you going to be staying there? or? Uh, I can, you know, I should. It, okay. It's Sunday close. I hate to see somebody come in and grab and run, you know. Okay. Um, if you feel comfortable staying there, uh, I do have an officer notified. Let me see where he is right now. I just, uh, you know, I'm um, just concerned that nobody's hurt or why. Right. Um, it looks like he, we have an officer who is just north of Ohio on Green Haven right now. Okay. Um, I can stay here. I'm in the black jeep. A black jeep. I'm, I'm right at the gas pump, and you can check my gas tank. I'm still on empty. I didn't get no gas out of it. Okay. And a black jeep. Okay. Yep. Um, I like I said, he is on his way right now. If anything okay. changes, I want you to call me right back. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll send him out there. And if you feel like you have to leave, just give us a call back and let us know. Okay. Okay. I still don't see anybody. I'm outside, so I don't see anybody. Okay. Thank yep. you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Bye.
again, according to court documents. When police arrived, Haringa's belongings, including her coat, purse, and wallet with $400 inside, were in the store, and her car was in the parking lot. Yet, Haringa was nowhere to be found. Nothing appeared to have been stolen from the gas station, and it appeared that Haringa had been preparing to close the store. There were signs that she had been cleaning and closing out the till. Outside the store's only back door, police found some of Haringa's blood, a battery cover to a laser sight for a Walter P-22 pistol, and two watch batteries. Haringa's body was never discovered. Authorities ran ongoing proof-of-life searches and numerous databases over several years, but those searches never revealed any signs that Haringa was still alive. The prosecutor introduced the events related to Madison Nygaard and Bletch at trial as other acts evidence in an effort to establish that Haringa's disappearance was part of defendant's common scheme or plan to kidnap, sexually assault, and murder young women. In addition to the other acts evidence, forensic computer analysis of defendant's devices uncovered VIX folders, believed to be short for victims, with subfolders specific to Haringa and Bletz. The folders were labeled by Bletz's and Haringa's initials and the respective dates of the crimes against them. The folder relating to Haringa contained photographs of Haringa, as well as a missing kidnapped flyer that circulated after her disappearance. In another folder, defendants saved a news article related to Haringa's disappearance. A document listing defendants' computer passwords revealed that defendants' password for many of his accounts was J4L27H13. Haringa's initials, JLH, and the number 42713, the day after Haringa's disappearance. The prosecutor theorized that 42713 was the actual date of Haringa's death. In addition to the information specific to Haringa and Bletz, defendant's computer contained thousands of pornographic images and videos depicting the abduction, restraint, rape, and murder of women using many of the same objects found in defendant's van, like restraints and gags. Defendant also had numerous homemade voyeuristic videos featuring women and young girls filmed without their knowledge in public places, in their homes, and at swim events. On the basis of this and other evidence, the prosecutor argued that Haringa had been kidnapped from the gas station and killed by defendant. The prosecutor maintained that defendant's motive and intent in kidnapping Haringa was to engage in criminal sexual penetration or criminal sexual contact. The hoodie that was found in Jeffrey's possession, that also belonged to Jessica. As I said previously, her body still hasn't been located. Now retired lead investigator on the case, Lieutenant Michael Kasher, was interviewed by Wood TV Channel 8 and said he believes Jessica was killed and then taken to Manistee National Forest north of Baldwin, which is about a 90-minute drive from Norton Shores, where she was taken. 
GPS records from his phone were retrieved and showed him in the area. Police have since combed the area trying to find Jessica's body, but have been unable to do so. The area she's believed to be is so densely packed with trees that investigators say that you could be 15 feet away from a burial site and not know it's there. Later phone data showed Jeffrey Willis going back to the same area twice on two separate occasions with police believing he was either going to tidy up the burial site or to just visit the body. Jeffrey had two separate trials, one for the murder of Rebecca and the other for the murder of Jessica. At the end of the trial for Rebecca, the verdicts for his charges were read with audible reactions from the family. All right, the uh, defendant will please rise and fail for publish the verdicts. People versus Jeffrey Thomas Willis, case number 163145FC, count one, guilty of first degree premeditation, <laughs> and first degree felony murder, count two, felony firearm, guilty. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard the verdict announced by the bailiff indicating that you find the defendant guilty of first degree premeditated and first degree felony murder and guilty of felony firearm. Is there anyone who disagrees with that verdict? Please raise your hand if you do. All right, let the record reflect that no one raised their hand. Do you care to have the jury polled, Mr. I, I do not need that. Uh, Mr. Uh, Johnson, do you care to have the jury polled? Given the course of that question, that won't be necessary. All right, thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, this will be entered as the official verdict at this time. Um, do you have a date? Uh, I do, December 18th. Our defendant will be remanded in custody of the sheriff without bond pending the sentence on December 18th at 9.15. Jeffrey Willis is currently serving two life sentences without possibility of parole. That'll do it for this episode. Before I go, I've been dying to tell everybody about CrimeCon. I've been pretty hush-hush about it on social media, mainly because I've been pretty busy with it, but now I get to talk all about it. It was a long and amazing weekend. The prep work going into everything was super intense and took up a ton of my time, but it was all well worth it. Designing and picking new items like a banner, tablecloth, thousands of new and different stickers and business cards, that was all time-consuming, but didn't take up nearly as much time as preparing for my session did. I spent days on it, with the interactive PowerPoint that incorporated audio and video in multiple places, picking out example calls and finding details, all while whittling and editing them down to something that would be short and pointed, and finally, the scripting for all the volunteers who got on stage and fielded mock 911 calls and police radio dispatch. Leading up to my session, I didn't know who would be on stage before me. It was a live taping of Nancy Grace's podcast with a host of huge name true crime personalities. I walked past the area and saw that the seating was packed. At that point, I was thinking to myself, if Nancy Grace was able to fill the seats like this, I'm probably going to have about eight people in the audience. 
From there, I walked over to the speaker room and met with the team assigned to help out with this. There were probably around 20 people on the team between the front of house people, organizers, audio and video people, and the actors that were helping out with the mock drills. Setup for everything took a long time too, probably about an hour and a half. I was confident in the work I'd put into it and was ready to go, but I still had that lingering thought in my head that the crowd was going to be light. The announcer gave his intro and called my name and I walked on stage. I was shocked, seriously shocked when I saw that every seat was taken and there were people standing in the back watching. It was an amazing time and I felt just incredible from all the support from everyone there. It really, really meant a lot to me. Past that time meeting with all you listeners and talking about the show, taking pictures, everything else. I wish I could do that every weekend. Seeing all my other podcast friends was also incredible. We all had a blast. And I managed to finagle a good friend of mine, a table right next to me, Bob Mata from Defense Diaries. After each day was all done, all the podcasters and other attendees usually showed up at the hotel lobby bar for meet and greets and just hanging out. I promised myself I would have exactly one too many drinks each night. And I did just that right before I had a few more to top them off. I do believe that me and a few other listeners were the last ones there on closing night. Overall, it was an absolutely over the top, amazing weekend. And I wish to do it again soon. And it seems my wish has come true. Next year, CrimeCon is going full on music city. It's in Nashville. I'm going to do it all up huge that week. I'm already making plans for it. If you're thinking about going next year, just go ahead and stop thinking about it. There's no need to do any more thinking. Just come. There, I made the decision for you. Anyway, I could talk about this seriously for hours and hours. I'm trying to keep this short. I want to thank everyone that was there. Fans of the show, other podcasters, anyone else that I met that weekend all the people that helped out with my session, especially the incredible actors I had backstage to help out with the scripts I'd written for everybody taking the 911 calls and such on stage. I can't thank everybody enough for it. Seriously. It meant a lot to me every bit of this weekend. I wish I would have had more time to spend with everyone. I know that my Saturday on podcast row was short, but that was mainly because of my session and all that was leading up to it, all the setup and everything. So I didn't get to meet as many of you as I wanted to, but next year, which I believe the dates are just the end of May through the beginning of June. If that's the case, it's not even a year away. It's only a few months, but those of you that are going to come to that, it's going to be an all week thing for me. I'm going to try to do stuff before crime con with other podcasters, probably have meets and greets beforehand. I'm not even sure what we're going to try to do, but as I said, I'm going to do it up all week long. I can't wait to do it again and see everybody back there. And when I say there, I mean here, we're going to have a great time, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank y'all for listening to me. Thank y'all for all the support and love you give me. It really means the world to me until next time. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon, 
and y'all have a good one.